Hello and welcome back to The Grateful Show. In today's episode, we have the honor to interview Vittoria Haley. After coming from Italy, his original country, Vito started to look inside of him at a spiritual level and started to understand the principle of living a happy and balanced life. We dive into subjects like spirituality, money, pornography, drugs, and everything in between. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Vito Haley. to the grateful show and in today's episode we have the honor of speaking to the one and only vittorio haley how are you doing man hey guys hey really good to be here i'm, I'm actually great I'm actually great how are you guys we are awesome despite all the really, really difficulties good. we've been fa- facing the last couple of weeks just trying to be productive in all these days because it's really easy to actually get caught in distractions so it's better to actually work on yourself during this period Mm, yeah it's true it's true i mean like it's uh i'm sure that the viewers or the listeners know like we're going through some uh, crazy times yeah, yeah but yeah. uh like it's just important like uh, just not to dive in straight away on this topic because it's very cliche but just make the best of it like yeah. uh, there's no point going in circles and that's so true that's so yeah. true so i'm just gonna break the ice and i'm just gonna ask you what are you grateful for today vito Right, what I'm grateful for. Um, actually, um, I'm very grateful for running. Uh, I saw Pascal did that as well today. He's five days, I think, on a row of running. Um, it. And it's something I've been wanting to do forever. Like I couldn't get my uh, my ass out of the out of the house. And so I've been running like every day since the pandemic. So really, how like, do you feel now after feet. after everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, it's like, it really resets my mind. And like, there's a there's a goal, there's a beginning, there's a mid one at the end. Yeah. And that's what keeps you healthy, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a matter of actually starting. I didn't run myself for like five, six years. And Me to be too. honest, it was very tough just taking the decision. It's really hard. Because yeah. I know that once I take the decision, I'm gonna go for it. It's actually, mm. the, the first day is actually the hardest. Yeah, I think so. Make yourself to be in the mood to yeah. actually do yeah. it and yeah. after that 100 100 once you put that step out the door then like you're 50 in that's 50 so yeah yeah and you, it's really hard to actually do it but the after effect is just amazing yeah you feel man. refreshed you feel clear your dopamine serotonin all the chemicals are up there man like uh, pandemic or non-pandemic it's always up exactly really good. that's really so good. true okay vito so um for um our listeners that don't know uh who you are mm. obviously can you just give us a brief introduction of what you're about what you've been through the last couple of years anything that yeah. you think would um, be interesting from your journey so far yeah so uh, basically um, what I do right now is I'm a media and content creator so I do both videography and photography mm-hmm. um, and the thing is it's been like mo- most of our creative uh, kind of uh, careers it's been very up and down mm-hmm. uh, it started at uni with animation so nothing to do with it I uh, came full of excitement, enthusiasm, and then you realize it's not really your call. It's not, it was something that I liked. So I started working at the Apple store as a genius, repairing all those phones and Macs and getting kind of an insight in technology. Mm-hmm. And from mm-hmm. there, there was an explosion around 20, I think 16, 17, of uh, everyone was a videographer. Yeah. Like in 2012, everyone was a DJ. In 2016, 17, everyone was a videographer. So That's when uh, you started as well? Yeah, yeah, especially especially videographer, and I, I just was looking at videos online, and then I was like, hey, this is uh, this is pretty awesome, um, and I thought, why not make a career out of it? And uh, I invested all the money that I made at the Apple Store, which at the time was quite a lot. Like uh, thumbs up to Apple, they're a really amazing company to mm-hmm. work for. And after that, I just invested in equipment and just went for it. I went went for it like a crazy maniac. Like uh, I didn't look back. I quit my job. Oh, really. And, what I did is basically I attacked every business that I know and just said, hey, do you need a photographer? Do you need a videographer? Do you need this? Do you need that? Just pressing, pressing, pressing. Was it hard for yourself to actually quit your job and do something for yourself to be like a self-employed? Yeah, how, yeah, how was the first period, like the transition, as they call it? Mm, the thing is, I've never been comfortable being comfortable. Mm-hmm. I know that like, everyone says that nowadays, but like, if there's a line that I feel like it's a bit too easy, mm-hmm. something's not right. Like, there's something especially that needs to kind of give me that pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at our age, like below 30, you cannot rest, like, and just like chill work wise. Yeah. I find you always got to push it. Off. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's important. Um, so I felt that I was getting stable, I would get up at the same time. I go to work, I will have my schedule, eat the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was getting boring. 
Yeah, it was very repetitive. Yeah, yeah, repetitive. And there's so many people out there, like, bless them, because without them, society wouldn't work. But there's so many people working in that cog. And I Mm -hmm. felt like I was getting into that cog and I needed to release. So it was good. It's really good. To say that yeah. we don't have, we we need to mention that there are actually people that find that interesting and exciting, and mm. it works for them. So I used to I used to judge them like, how can you work a nine to five? Like, because I do kind of the same thing as you do, and obviously looking at normal people like normal schedules, I'm like, how can you set settle for that? But like some people are generally happy. With they love it. it. Yeah, they love it. They love it. Absolutely love it. But sometimes yeah. they actually don't know that there's something better for them as well. Or yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. because they don't didn't have like the the opportunity to actually get that knowledge. Maybe they yeah. were not like into the right part of the society. Maybe like yeah. their family didn't help them that much. So they didn't have mm-hmm. like, that knowledge. So they can actually get access to that information to actually do something. That's very true. I mean, for me, I think it's like a, it's like a, a combination, a cocktail of mm-hmm. really lucky ingredients. First, mm-hmm. how you're raised. Mm-hmm. Second, like your mental kind of uh, hunger, like mm-hmm. uh, if you want to kind of simulate yourself mentally to broaden your kind of your, your mind. Mm-hmm. And third, like if, if you're actually physically lucky, like if you manage to meet the right people, if you manage to have a certain self characteristics, uh, like personality wise, it's it's a it's a pretty special cocktail. And I don't mean to say that I, I got lucky with that. It's just said I grew up in a way that kind of uh, made me see the nine to five job as like mm, that's mm-hmm. not my thing. But as you said, like I know people, my flatmate, he's uh, he works in JP Morgan in the city, gets up at seven every morning. He's at 7.30, no breakfast, straight in, comes back at eight every day and he loves it. He comes back with a smile. He's always like cheerful, makes a lot of money. And that's how he is. Um, but that's not me. Like uh, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Right. So what's the next step for yourself then in regards to <laughs> your career and more your personal life as well? Well, to be honest, I... Um, the thing is, I'm realizing more and more that a career is just like a like a bridge to like your own happiness. Like uh, it can't be that the career leads your happiness. Like your happiness has to come beforehand, mm-hmm. right? And the mm-hmm. career is one of these ways to achieve that. That's so I'm thinking right. uh, this period actually of pandemic is is very important for me because I'm really reassessing who I am, what I'm working towards, my goals. It's like a it's like back to step one and we're all in the same boat that's like so from true. like from will smith to like uh, donald trump to me like we're all like in the same relatively similar boats mm-hmm. and that in a way is very reassuring because there's kind of this society that's built kind of in a pyramid mode and you think oh shit but like i'm not there mm-hmm. and that always bugs you but now like we're on the same level and it allows me to really relax and think what i want to do i think that's um, very interesting that you pointed that because when I think about that back like six months ago, it's not necessarily that I would see somebody on the street and be like, oh, that guy is rich, that guy is better than me. It would usually mm. be from social media. And like mm. now seeing that everyone is just home and everyone is doing sort of like almost the same things that you do, it's like yeah. very interesting. You're like, okay, they are like me, so how can I be better? It feels like you're exactly. kind of at the same level, yeah. even though yeah. it's not yeah. exactly like yeah. that, obviously, because yeah. there are some differences. Of yeah. course, but it feels like you are all in the same place, isn't it? Same plane, 100%. And I was reading a book called uh, The Paradox of Choice by this uh, American psychologist. It basically analyzes the behavior of humans mm-hmm. when confronted with an array of items, mm-hmm. like 50 toothbrushes, 60 teas, 100 cars, okay. 50 possible regions to live in. Mm-hmm. And they found out that actually humans struggle a lot with choice. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much choice in, in, in the 21st century for humans yeah. compared to people in the in the mid 50s, for example, in the mid 20th century. That is too much. Like yeah. I, I know it sounds counterproductive. Everyone should have every freedom possible. But yeah. mentally, the brain is not ready to have that whole array of That's choices. So you can be anyone, which is great. The, the philosophy is great. You can be anyone you want. But a certain kind of channel to which you can kind of concentrate and focus your mind on that's where you maximize your potential. Exactly. So that's why like lots of successful people, they are actually wearing the same clothes all the time because oh, they're actually not willing to make that many decisions. That when they actually take a decision, it's actually yeah. going to be very important. I just yeah, want to exactly. note something very funny. I think, when was it? Like beginning of this year, I realized that I was not necessarily spending too much time with my haircut, but like I was like 
It doesn't really matter, does it? No, okay, I just, just cut, cut it, it all off. Cut it just short. <laughs> and like, it's just good, good. one less decision that you have to make daily when you think mm-hmm. about the way you look. I'm like, I look the same. Like, even if I wake up or go to sleep, like, my hair is the same. Yeah, exactly. It's just and, in your mind, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's the same with, as you said, clothes. It's the same with having, like, sort of a diet. When, exactly. when, I, when I say diet, I don't mean, like, you have to eat certain foods. No, I mean, eating kind of the same things every time. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, that can get boring for some people that don't have a purpose. But if you have a purpose and you're already spending a lot of time on something, mm-hmm. then you might as well invest more time in that something. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. It's a bit like the... I was very attracted when I was little to the Shaolin monks. I don't know if you guys... You know, they they, they these yeah, kind yeah, of extreme yeah. Kung Fu masters with incredible mental rigor. And they're, they're all kind of conformed. Uh, they're kind of... Uh, they shy away from physical... Uh, decisions, the mm-hmm. hair, the body, the, the actual uh, clothes they wear, the rhythm of what they eat. And you would say, oh, it's boring, but they have such a big purpose, like connect with God or like through martial arts, connect with God. That Who cares about where you dress, you know? Exactly. Who cares about how you look? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's pretty special. Thing, yeah. I think there was, um, there's a nice thing to point now. Obviously, you are very familiar with the whole um, industry, I could call it, of meditation, the whole uh, mm. movement of meditation. Like spiritualism and uh, psychedelics uh, and everything. Yeah, not necessarily that. We'll dive mm-hmm. into that later. But I was on this app called Headspace, which I recommend to everyone who yes. wants to start yeah. meditating. Yeah. And I think once a week or when you finish or start a course, uh, they show you some animations that basically explain you through visuals what this lesson is about, mm-hmm. what you are mm-hmm. supposed to be learning. And there was a very interesting one that a friend sent to me. I didn't get it on my account. There was this normal guy, let's imagine like a basic guy, who was very insecure. And he was uh, trying to hide his insecurities by um, getting into like this mechanical robot. So he was getting inside that robot. Oh, that one. And Mm. nobody else could see his true self. Mm. And he was showing something else to everyone, like he's this strong robot and everyone was respecting him. But they were were not respecting him, they were respecting his mask. So something happens with this robot and he needs to leave it. He needs to basically live on his his own. And it was very uncomfortable for him at first. Everyone was laughing at him. Mm. And then he moves, it's like an animation, and then he starts accepting himself. And once Mm. he starts accepting himself, there are people that are like still laughing, but there are also people that love him. (laughs) Obviously, yeah. it's very hard at the beginning, most probably, to yeah. actually accept mm. and like yeah, leave understand that. who you yeah. truly are. But yeah. after that, mm. it's gonna blow. It's a, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very good meta- metaphor for like a lot of things. But like I think, yeah. especially, it's about acceptance and like not living into like a toxic environment with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. That's a very beautiful image. I think like uh, one of my goals in life is to kind of understand really who you are. I know it's a very kind of filmic sentence, but it really is true. And do you? Uh, just, yeah. I think the thing is, a very hard thing for me to do is to actually be myself fully because when you're not, you're more uh, likable in general. It's very easy yeah. to be likable uh, in general. It's very easy because it's a very immediate, superficial contact with people. Whereas if you're yourself, there's going to be people that kind of hate you a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of like you and love you. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of uh, different and distinct. Whereas if you're kind of uh, kind of faking a little, it's very subtle, the difference. And I think the more you're yourself, the more you realize that people accept you more. And they, they kind of verify who you are in, in return. Like it's, if, let's say with me and Pasco, I'm myself. He sees that I'm myself and his seeing that I'm myself makes me realize, oh shit, I'm myself. It's like a double, it's like a mirror. You see yourself yeah, in other pieces. So it's, uh, I find it very interesting. But... I really love how you put it in the, into the perspective. I never thought it like in that way, but it's actually really nice to make your image in your head, like you said, with a robot because you liked it. And I mm. want to point something out, out as well because then I'm going to forget. It's also about, as you mentioned, like, trying to fake everything a little mm. bit. I think it's uh, mm. more of a Western culture. In America, they tend to do that. Uh, yeah, but I think it's, yeah, it might benefit you short term, but long term, I think you will attract the wrong people and the wrong vibes mm-hmm. around you. And mm-hmm. you'll, you, mm-hmm. you, you will not, you'll never be yourself around those people. So you'll probably never fully enjoy being yeah, with those it's people. Impossible. And you'll be like, what's it's wrong impossible. with me? Like, 
everyone is so like like this but you attract them you being like that mm. attract those people because they are the same as you are exactly. yeah obviously yeah, we are 100%. different with like the family and maybe with yeah. our girlfriend and yeah. then with the with the people that actually we don't know obviously we are different we mm -hmm. have like different mm -hmm. faces because we can't be exactly mm -hmm. the same all the time yeah you have to yeah. act on like emotions a little bit yeah yeah mm -hmm. but generally you have to be exactly how you truly are inside of you mm. but i think like also like if you fake it mm. like i think the mind is very conditionable mm. right so if you keep on faking it or even if you keep on saying lies even if you know it's a lie personally your mind has a bit of a hard time distinguishing indeed, between indeed. the lie and the reality because you project that reality mm. by making a lie yeah. you're warping reality mm. like it's something that's not and then your mind gets used to kind of being that And then people struggle with identifying themselves. So who am I? Like, why am I not happy? Because they keep on faking it and keep on lying and keep on like, mm. and then you lose track of your mind and who you are. I think it's important to be in tune with it. That's so true. Yeah. What experience are you grateful for the most? Mm. I'm going to go full kind of esoteric. I'm going to go like that down the spiritual route, but it's true. Um, a very beautiful thing is um, when I was little, I used to go to India a lot. My parents met in India. Um, And since then, I've been going like every one, two slash three years. Mm -hmm. And um, although like I was brought up in a Catholic environment, like uh, Italy is very obviously because of Rome, very Catholic, yeah, there's yeah, a church. Of course, of course. Um, I never kind of identified myself with it. Actually, I got more distant from it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we connected with this, um, uh, we call him like, it's like a guru. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, it's, I'm not like a pro kind of a, Um, I don't want to kind of elevate people more than what they are, but he's a person that basically is um, the best at what human beings can be. Mm -hmm. Like he's the kindest, the most open, the most peaceful, the most patient person. So basically we met this person in this beautiful little temple in the desert, like very kind of a, a weird setting. And it's, I'm very grateful because whenever I have a problem mm -hmm. or whenever I have a period in, in the future, if I do of like... Uh, you know, like uh, stress or detachment from this, mm -hmm. I can go there. Like it's, it's like this whole beautiful world mm -hmm. in a little temple in the desert. And just like bring my books, do my meditation, switch off the phone whenever I want without calling, without doing anything. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to know that you have like a backup where you can take a flight and escape and leave this world and enter another world. It's incredible. I'm very grateful for that. What would yeah, you say... That. What would you say has changed since you've been to that world, which is different? What would you mean, like, from inside me, what yeah, has changed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, the thing is, I find that people are, there's a certain distance, like, there's kind of like a privacy bubble that people have in the street when you meet them. Normally, like, uh, we're very defensive. We're like yeah. 8 billion people. We can't always be open. We mm -hmm. suffer. Mm -hmm. But, like, um, when you go in places like India, that mm -hmm. privacy bubble is is shrinked a lot because there's sufferance and there's people that are in pain. And when there's pain, people come together. We see with the coronavirus, mm -hmm. yeah. like in Italy, people are talking from the oh, balconies. Yeah, like it brings people together. And um, like I find when I go to India, it kind of uh, resets my, my mind like that, like uh, to be a little more open to people having difficulties and understanding them. And, you know, embracing humanity as a whole. Would you say Would you say that is because it helps you reconnect with yourself? Mm, yeah, that is a reflection. So mm -hmm. it makes me in a mood that is more like how I want to be, uh, mm -hmm. how my kind of image of what I want to be is. Ah, like in, in that kind of environment. It's Whereas somewhere like London, with all its benefits, it can really kind of draw me down, you know, like... Yeah. Uh, People are here for work. Like very few people come to London for pleasure uh, or kind of for retirement. It's mostly a work city, and it's great. But you breathe that in the air, and people so treat you in a different way. What would you say that people actually can do to discover, to rediscover who they mm. truly are inside of them? What are mm. the things that they can actually do mm. to find out? So for me, the the most important thing is be open to as many experiences as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it's a popular theory, like the yes theory that you always mm -hmm. hear about mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, that kind of like the Jim Carrey movie, but not to that extreme, but mm -hmm. obviously like the more experiences you put yourself on, the more you're like, oh, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't. And you make choices that narrow things down. 
And eventually you come to a nugget of things that you really enjoy and then you just pursue them and you do those. But you got to initially be very open. Because exactly. if you initially shut, then there's no way that that information can make you choose, right? So it's, it's very dependent on you. And I think it's usually the case that people are not necessarily not open themselves, but even if they are open inside themselves, like deep down, they know mm. they would like to try something or experience mm. something, they're afraid that they will be judged by other people. 100%, yeah. And the thing is with judgment, like um, people that suffer from myself, like everyone, uh, we all suffer from fear of judgment. I think the judgment highlights problems that you deem are big for you. So like uh, if you if you feel you're being judged, usually it's a problem that you think, oh shit, like it's, I, I suffer from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like in a way, judgment is helpful if you use it that way, because when you feel that you're being judged on a specific topic, you know that you feel very insecure on that topic and there's a reason why. Yeah. And you should really work to actually make that your strong point, mm-hmm. to turn that around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's very easy in words, it's much more difficult in reality. But, you know, it all starts with a mental thought and then develops into an idea and then you put it into practice. Obviously, you have to have that awareness. You have to have the theory first in order to actually apply something because if you're going yeah. blindly, you're not going to achieve yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and be schematic. Like you guys, I, I see very... To, to kind of create schemes, like to create kind of a uh, structure is very important because the mind has huge capabilities, but it leaks out, right? If you give it a direction, yeah. everything's so much yeah. easier. Exactly. So exactly. What's, yeah. what's your biggest goal in terms of your uh, career, let's say? My biggest goal is to actually create a strong sense of community through what I do. And what I mean by that is to use my job as a videographer specifically because it's it's more gives uh, bigger emotions to people, I think, mm-hmm. videography than, than stills. And through that, to create a, a sense of community. So it has a purpose to bring people together, mm-hmm. whether it's um, kind of a courses that kind of guide you uh, to achieve better pictures, but mm-hmm. in, a, in a more kind of holistic way. So maybe spiritual, it could be a bit of spirituality and using videography to document that journey or anything that kind of brings people together. The thing is, right now, I'm focusing on making money and making experience. That's my short-term goal. But my bigger goal is to actually get to a point where I give back everything that I've sucked out of of life, you know? Uh, I think mm, there's a very beautiful that we're all the best in the world at something. Mm -hmm. Like uh, there there is a, a mix of characteristics that you have, that you have, and that I have, that no one else has in the world. I think, I think this is from the alchemist, if I'm not wrong, Paulo Coelho. It might be, it might be, it might be, or yeah, or, or from that, or from uh, that um, Indian philosopher. It's it's a beautiful sentence, and I think why we are here, like a, a, in a bigger scale, is because we got to give back. We got to be a community. Like we got to literally, even if it's a small thing, mm-hmm. where we got to leave a little mark in the world and say, "Hey, I've been here. I've gave given back to the world, and not just suck out." Right. So, would you consider immortality as being something selfish? Like, let's say you could live forever. Would you consider that being selfish? Mm. I think it's more than selfish. It's a little dangerous, I find, like uh, uh, for two reasons. One, because you'd have an initial separation, again, even stronger between the rich and the poor, like super big uh, kind of separation to the point where it's life and death. It's not just money anymore. It's like who lives and who dies, which is morally completely fucked up. And the second thing is that you're playing with the rules of nature itself. Like everything kind of tends to entropy. Everything needs to destruct, get get to a kind of destruction level. And I think this coronavirus for me, in a way, is kind of that image as well. Like if you see around you guys in London, it's been five days of beautiful sunshine, no clouds in the sky. There's no planes, there's no noise. This is incredible. And like in a way, I do feel that mother earth like as as a, as a kind of a, mm-hmm. a personalization she's kind of uh, saying hey like give me some, some air to breathe you know and playing with the rules of nature too much i think uh lots of tales of old talk about you know mankind trying to kind of push a limit and then bam something happens i i wouldn't personally I wouldn't go there i think it's it's we the, the world is beautiful how it is and enjoy it how it is yeah i think this um this is like spiritualism in a nutshell because you mentioned monks earlier on mm. i'm sure that there is no monk that fears death no, and i think that all of them yeah. see death as like just a 
part of and, the nature, yeah, part of the life, part of life, or just mm. a part of the whole process of the universe experiencing itself in a way. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we are energy. Like energy is is second law of thermodynamics. Energy is not created; it's just transferred from A to B. Like there's the same level of energy in the universe. I mean, like we are part of that energy, right? So like uh, dying is just a transfer of energy from A to B. Yeah. Where it goes, who knows? But like, I think for me, it's a journey. I'm not definitely afraid of, of death. Like, uh, I really am not. I'm not just saying it to be cool. Like, I, I've never been, to be honest. It's very interesting you said that. I'm not sure you might be aware of this. I think it's a quote or saying there is like, each person on earth, each individual has two lives. And the second mm. one starts once they realize they only got one life that's, to live. That's a really good quote. Mm, mm, mm. That's really, really interesting. What's your take yeah. on that? I mean, the thing is, is to try and get to that stage as early as possible. Because yeah. I, I know quite a few people that get the kind of kind of hammer on the head around 50, around 60. And as beautiful as that is, because they still got the kind of wake up call, it's important to work on that ASAP you know, ASAP, because uh, time does fly. Like, uh, you realize now in these days where we have so little to do, time really stretches, days mm -hmm. seem so long. But as soon as this is over, we're back in the loop again. Yeah. It goes so fast. And to really kind of uh, work on what counts, uh, which is, in this case, really experiencing life. I would even say the purpose of life itself, to learn how to experience life. It's just one of the beautiful things, you know? And, like... It's there are there are several journeys that you can undertake in life or the career, mm -hmm. the love life, entertainment, but to actually manage to enjoy um, as cliche as that is, literally you see everyone Facebook and Instagram, but it's so hard to do. Enjoy even the simple things. It's so hard, so hard because we're so distracted all the time. I'm sure you guys have seen people around that are They've got panic attacks. They've got uh, depression. They get, you know, people are living with the husbands that kind of uh, uh, threaten them right now in coronavirus. And, you know, like uh, not having stimulation, not being able to go out limits your pool of, of possibilities. And you go, have to go inside. That's so true. I think everything is about balance. It's about, like you said, finding mm. like what you truly like and then establish yourself with your family and then just truly be happy mm. with how you are and how yeah. you want to actually become. But I think before uh, you mentioned family there, and I think before anybody could even think of a relationship, not a family, they have to sort out themselves. And to love themselves. Yeah, because yeah. if you are, excuse my language, but if you are fucked up, well, you might as well fuck up another person or end up being with another fucked up person and you too are going to have a fucked up family as Sad as that sounds, that's what happens yeah. with a lot of people. And then it's just like a butterfly play because yeah. children will be the same and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But I think like as well with relationships, people try to compensate for yeah. things that they're lacking, right? Yeah. So they kind of use the other person as a as a walking stick. And uh, it's not a healthy relationship kind of a girl-guy-guy uh, relationship kind of or whatever you're into. It's not a good balance. And second, that's not the whole purpose of the relationship. You, you said the world, Pascal, like first, it's important to be in an okay position, mm -hmm. then work on your relationship. Mm -hmm. right? Exactly, uh, exactly. I think a lot key. of people lack the awareness when it comes to the things that they do to fill up the gap. And I'm not mm. sure whether that's too deep, but I feel like there are a lot of people that tend to judge others for the way they are living life, whilst not being able to identify how they live their life incorrectly mm. as well. And mm. I, can, I can give you a very good example here is people that have an unhealthy life and like drink alcohol, mm -hmm. criticizing athletes that unfortunately need to take enhancing drugs in order to perform at a high level and they call mm. that unhealthy mm. well, it's kind of the it's same, a bit of a paradox yeah. yeah yeah i think that's definitely a human trait like yeah. it's, it's normal and in a way i think it's understandable as well because there's a lot of uh, self-judgment and self-judgment is the harshest of judgment right when you know you're not okay with yourself when you know like oh i'm not where i want to be but you kind of close your ears, just keep on going. Exactly. But your conscience, conscience talks. Exactly. And when you see like an athlete, you say, and like that person does something against the, the rules, but you're like doing like letting yourself go and your judgment, 
that that's kind of a, an insecurity coming out and, and it's much easier to project on other people i feel that. like mentioning the athlete it's very interesting because i'm not sure what's your take on like any type of drug mm. coming from like to from steroids to marijuana to any sorts of recreational drugs but i feel mm. like there are people that use them in a very destructive and bad way whilst there are other people that as they call them use them for in recre- their favor. So actually recreational purposes yeah they use them mm-hmm. in their favor as you said mm-hmm. what's your yeah. take on that well i think it's a bit like relationships um i don't i obviously don't want to compare drugs to relationships yeah. but uh <laughs> it's a similar it's a similar kind of mindset right so if you're not okay and you use drugs to fill that gap then the drugs are going to take over and your mind is going to rely on that drug. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're kind of stable and you use the drug to direct your mind in ways in which possibly you couldn't reach without the use of the drug, then by all means, try that. Try that. That's incredible. And the, the beautiful thing of the drug is that, in a way, um, it's very immediate. Like uh, you can break so many uh, kind of uh, years of, of exercise and yeah. mental practice in, in an hour. And that is the, the very kind of appealing part of it. But I think just nowadays, we're slowly starting to kind of, uh, well, no, obviously the 70s, that was obviously a whole new vibe to drugs. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, there's more kind of uh, a bigger community of people that use drugs mm-hmm. in a way that's sensible, in a yeah. way that enhances who you are and doesn't destroy it. Because, uh, again, like it's, it's uh, some people see that I know personally, they see drugs as kind of a, a gift, a bit like Prometheus with fire uh, to the human beings. So when Prometheus took really, fire really from the gods really and took it to the humans, uh, the, the drugs are kind of uh, the, the, the way of the gods of saying, look, you can either go this way or that way. And it's a very, very complicated thing. Makes but if you put things yeah. in perspective, right? Mm, yeah, it's, it's 100% about perspective, but very powerful if used in the right ways. And, uh, and I've got personal experience, but I know people that uh, that kind of use it regularly uh, at very high levels of of, uh, of business, uh, and not, we're not talking creatives or artists because people imagine you know it's a wacky person, yeah, painting hipster. nudes, yeah, painting nudes in Shoreditch or something. But no, I mean people that actually work in the city and work in high end uh, environments. They use drugs all the time to kind of open their mind in a different way. Yeah. Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, he created Apple and possibly LSD. That's why the Apple is, is multicolored. That's why uh, he, he has all these things about open society. Everyone's the same. Wow, That's really? why. I yeah. didn't know that. I mean, he was from the, the 70s generation. So, yeah, it's definitely. It's very true. Um, and if you think about his generation, all, all the people about at that age, there are so many people that are just spectacular in what they do. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very brilliant. Very brilliant people. Uh, in a way that it's very uncommon to see nowadays, I feel like uh, the level of openness they have to experiences and to kind of dealing with problems is mm-hmm. is insane. Like he, he used to deal with problems in a very unique way uh, by accepting uh, the, the the difficulties instead of yeah. fighting them. It was yeah. pretty incredible. I think yeah. you, you mentioned about the seventies, <clears throat> but I think even now, like at the present moment, the last couple of years, let's say three five years, mm. I think as you said, more people <clears throat> got. Um, they got the knowledge of the internet. They they researched and studied this environments where drugs are taken or the drugs themselves. And mm. even us, like when a month ago or so, we we were very kind of shocked to see that in London there was a, an event about psychedelics, and oh, they were yeah. they were mm. talking about psychedelics and especially DMT and ayahuasca and how mm. uh, uh, there were doctors that were explaining the research that uh, is being undertaken at Imperial London College. Which, Especially Imperial, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with people that are treated for depression and mm. all type of like very, very and bad how we can stuff. actually use them in our favor to yeah. find ourselves yeah. to understand why we, we actually suffer from everything we suffer. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing with drugs, they intensify anything you do. Mm-hmm. So if you're drinking a coffee, it's mm-hmm. the best coffee. If you're looking at a painting, it's the most beautiful painting. But if you look inside, the the, the kind of possibilities mm-hmm. and what you see is so unfiltered, mm-hmm. right? That uh, it's, it's uh, I think it's helpful that the Imperial is doing studies because it needs to be in an almost clinical environment because it can go kind of wrong. People will see themselves inside and if they see the wrong thing, then it's burned into their brain. It's very hard to get out of that. But if they see the right thing and they follow that lead, 
through especially psychedelics, it's uh, it has huge, huge potential um, to open up the past, especially um, really, really beautiful. And I mean, like people have been using psychedelics, as you guys know, since we can remember. Like there are kind of images of and years. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Actually, yeah. there's there's a theory. There's a uh, kind of a, a stone sculpture of Jesus somewhere where he's got a, a mushroom. And like some people <laughs> believe that he wasn't kind of, uh, he didn't give a, get the power from God, but he was just a, kind of a shaman, a kind of a, expressing his views on life through psychedelics. And Ooh, his wow. disciples were people that could follow him. So, I mean, that's a plausible theory. and uh, Kind of is, because I don't know what's your take on religion or spirituality, but most probably, <laughs> in my opinion, actually, and most probably yours as well, by actually trying all these different types of psychedelics, you actually, in a way, connect with uh, the energy that surrounds us and mm. actually find yourself into that deeper level of spirituality mm. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, my one of my strongest kind of, well, I do strongly believe that, like, a big no from the state in drugs is because if you give access to drugs to people, uh, there's a level of unpredictability that, that fights the whole system that's been carefully crafted for years, years and years. And so if, if people are very strong individually uh, and they have this huge say and this huge presence because they believe in themselves and see this huge vision, mm -hmm. then it's hard to sell them shit. It's hard to kind of package them. And as, as harsh as that sounds, it's, it's true. Like it's 100% true. It's very hippie, but the hippies had a point. Uh, they really did have a point. And it's interesting, uh, if you look at, you guys, I know you're into music and you're into kind of uh, the electronic movement, and every time there is the birth of a big electronic movement, like in, in Detroit in the 70s or in Berlin in the 80s, uh, it coincides with a huge, two things, huge level of dissatisfaction in the people. Mm -hmm. Detroit was crashing, there was a whole motor industry, everyone just left, there were like poor people everywhere, very little money. People started to make this hardcore music, and that's where techno was born in mm -hmm. Detroit. They put drugs there, and it created this huge community, and that's what's still, that's it's a huge festival, the Movement Festival, where people come together in Detroit, in Turin, my hometown, is huge now. And in Berlin, and after when the wall fell down in 82, the East and the West came together, and they mm -hmm. started partying with techno and drugs. So everything, all the kind of uh, systems, they fall when you combine these two things in a, in a propositive way, which I think is beautiful. I think there's really even cool. a track I was listening to yesterday. Some of the lyrics were like, music gets us connected or something like that. Music mm -hmm. is what connects yeah, us. Obviously. If you choose in the right way, yeah. it can connect us very well. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, but I, I suggest to people, there's, I think, for me at least, there's different stages of, of consumption of, of psychedelics and drugs. The first one is the sheer appreciation of like, whoa, what is this? Is it crazy? This is so new. This is amazing. But then there's a point where you don't really use it for uh, partying anymore, strictly. Exactly. Uh, but you take it out of that environment and use it in your, not necessarily everyday life, but when, when you want to kind of dive into something. Mm -hmm. And then you re really have an asset. You really have like a, like a jolly, like a trump card, you know? And you play that and see where it leads you. Um, it's a very interesting thing that I'm doing now. It's, uh, I have a lot of free time. I'm doing a, a course, a specialized course in ProLogic, which is kind of this uh, music creation tool. Um, oh, yeah, like I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, it's like digital music. Like it's a whole 40-hour course and uh, um, with, with live tuition. It's great. And like the reason why I started, I used to play guitar and piano when I was little. And like uh, about six to eight months ago, I tried a, a specific substance for the first time. Um, and uh, I was at my home, like uh, because we didn't go out partying. Uh, we 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 took something and we didn't end up going out. Mm -hmm. So I just went home. I was like, oh, I gotta write it out now. And I just started after like ten years. Just brought out my my keyboard that I have here now all the time. Just started playing, and boom! Now I can't stop playing music. Like I'm back wow. on it. So I just took one episode, and now I have got this whole course figured out. It's pretty incredible, like that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah because really as you said, for ten years you didn't you didn't play that instrument or you didn't even think about going that route. Mm. But I think being at peace and at ease with yourself in that moment, it kind of let you not judge yourself for choosing to mm. play the instrument. Maybe yes, you just definitely. did it, and obviously it was in your favor now. 
Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There was like a block. It's like, oh, you're not good at it. You shouldn't touch anymore. And that block is gone. Just uh, kind of melted away. And I think it's very interesting yeah. you mentioned that. I don't want to forget this point is the environment in which any type of drugs are used. And when I say environment, I mean, firstly, the people you are with. Mm. And also, secondly, where you are, like what is going on around you. Because yeah. uh, obviously they have a bad reputation mainly because they are taken in the wrong environments with the wrong people, mm-hmm. uh, by the wrong people as well. So that's mm. three bad factors all um, yeah. together, making obviously a bad experience or at least an yeah. okay experience. Yeah. Uh, what What's your take on on that and the way people are perceiving them as just... Mm. It's just like, I don't know. An addiction or maybe something Yeah, like an that. addiction and also <laughs> something that, yeah, I might as well because otherwise I can't I can't have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I think like, uh, like with everything, the negative always rises more to attention than the positive. There are millions of people that take drugs and have the most beautiful experience, but you don't hear about that. You just hear about the deaths, you hear about the addiction, you hear about the troubled past, and that comes to surface. And then people that don't experience this are like, oh, that is drugs. Like yes. it's very, it's very media kind of relationship. But um, I think the the way forward, and I've seen this more and more, is to kind of uh, sensibilize people on what drugs are and kind of give them the tools to understand them, to be in the right, as you said, the right environment with the right people in the right setting, the right mindset. Like a lot of things need to be in place. You can't just yeah. expect to use them. Uh, like uh, like a lot of people, unfortunately, especially in the UK, like uh, 15, 16, they start using these strong drugs and uh, it's not right. Like it's just, that is definitely not right. You've got to be in a position where you understand them and you're capable of handling them. Exactly. Uh, I've seen at festivals, they're starting to, mm-hmm. a few of them, they have tents for uh, drug testing and drug uh, kind of knowledge. So you go there, you take your drugs, you test them and then you can just use them yourself I think once you verify so that they're pure. amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's everything. Like, that's the future because there, people are going to use them in the right way instead of people dying. Because festival owners don't want to be like, oh, shit, five people died of, of uh, ecstasy overdose yeah. because it was rat poison or something. No, they're just like, okay, let's make people aware of it. Let's put a tent and face the problem in a healthy way. That's so smart I think that's, because yeah. there's lots of people are actually using it and then don't know why. Or actually, like you said, the uh, past group, they're just using to actually enhance their mm. pleasures and the experience. Mm. But it's actually, yeah, you can use it in that way, of course. And it's really easy to do it in that mm. way. But like if you think in a spiritual level, yeah. to actually know yourself, it's actually better to use them. I think it's very superficial to take it just for the pleasure. Yeah. It's very selfish Definitely. in a way Definitely. as well. Because yeah. isn't it? Because basically you're just doing it for yourself, it, and of course you gotta do it for yourself because you gotta understand yourself first, and then mm. to actually help the others. But if you think mm. about it, if you're not actually doing it just for yourself, mm. you're using it to spread who you truly are to the others, and they yeah. can do it like on their level as well, and it just becomes mm. like a butterfly effect. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, like it's. I think it's very easy to get stuck at the superficial kind of. Uh, kind of monkey mm-hmm. ape kind of level because it's more appealing it's more gives you more immediate pleasure it gives you more kind of satisfaction mm-hmm. and it's very easy to just stop there whereas if you go a little deeper and want to research then it takes time it takes effort yeah, it's going to be hard and like yeah. people don't like that especially nowadays where everything's easy you want water you have water you want food you go downstairs exactly. you eat it you want anything you have it and it's great don't get me wrong i wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in any other place than a civilized country. I'm very lucky to be here. But it has its downfalls, you know, this kind of immediacy of everything translates to immediacy and pleasure as well. People want to have pleasure all the time, want to have the maximum experience. And that's not, the drugs are not meant to be like that. Like, see now with the virus, like people, what, what are people getting? Like toilet paper, they're getting kind of the necessity, all the more, more basic things uh, because they, they want to survive, you know, it's survival, it's a, a, a kind of monkey coming out. Uh, which is normal, but you know, yeah. to see it, it's a bit kind of, oh, you know, like uh, it's good to come together in a, in a more human way. It's gonna take a while, I believe, for us to actually be in that point where we see things differently and don't see the things from an ape point of view. It's mm-hmm. gonna take a while, mm-hmm. but it's gonna happen. Everything is gonna be changed. I think it all yeah. has to come with like a sounds very. I don't know, science fiction, but it has to come with like a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. As long as you mm-hmm. don't go inside, you can go outside as much as you want. You'll not mm-hmm. find yourself. Like 
To be honest, the best so. example is the already very well-known uh, movie Wolf on the Wall of the Wall Street with Jordan Belfort mm. and mm. his real life experience and what mm. happened uh, with him and drugs and basically pleasures and addictions that yeah. he he chose mainly because he didn't really know what to do inside with himself mm. so he just chose mm. this as an as an if like a validation tool as if, if like what, do you want to add something yeah actually to replace something that he yeah, was exactly. missing isn't yeah it? yeah yeah 100 there's another movie very similar with uh jonah hill as well war dogs then if you've seen mm. it it's very oh. similar a real story of two arms dealer uh they used to kind of sell illegal drugs uh, sorry uh, arms so uh, guns uh, all sorts of uh, arms to the to the pentagon because uh, mm. the pentagon at the time used to buy their arms from uh independent uh sellers so yeah. it wouldn't be kind of approved and they used to kind of source these illegal arms from uh, afghanistan from uh kind of albania really dodgy places at the time for the environment they were in and then they were pulling the cord pulling the cord and eventually they got greedy and it snapped after taking drugs and you know prostitution and that kind of stuff very similar very similar materialism really isn't the you know it's it's easy to say but it really isn't giving you anything if you think about it yeah um, you mentioned materialism do you consider being mm. rich as something selfish i really don't think so i think how you perceive your richness that's the key like it can be very selfish or very kind of selfless um if you're rich in a let's say in a bill gates everyone knows what he's doing for the world in a bill gates way then that's not selfish at all and he's the richest one of the richest people on earth he is, you know. where he's using that money there are people that uh, treat money as uh, as a way to boost their ego and to feed their ego and to feed their kind of inner demons almost and uh, and that that's really selfish i think like money like energy needs to kind of have a flow be exchanged that's how people can can survive and cope probably and people that tend to kind of uh, hold on to that money too tight they don't kind of uh, they don't allow the free flow of energy which is money in this that's case so interesting yeah. i never thought of it that yeah, way that- Actually, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I can't remember Neranda Modi, maybe the, the the Indian author. I can't remember his name. It's this really cool book, The Seven uh, Laws of Spiritual Success, by this uh, Indian philosopher. Very short book. It takes like 40 minutes to listen to it on an audio book. The seven steps to live life in a more spiritual way within the contemporary world. So not give up, be like a like a like a like a, a monk, but not even be like a, you know one of the oligarchs. You know, like a way in between to coexist in both. And it's it's very very interesting. That's where I read that thing about money. Mm-hmm. Money is a bit like energy. You know, it, mm-hmm. it has its its kind of negativities, positivity depends how you. The mm. fact that a lot of people see money as the devil's eye or the root of devil or mm-hmm. something that has to do with yeah. evil and with negativity and with all that is bad yeah but i think personally i see money as a tool as you said as energy and all that it does is just showing who you truly are the more money you have the more you are going mm. to express who you truly are yeah within yourself yeah with money and by buying cars by doing like bad things prostitutions mm-hmm. or harming other people or doing all sorts of bad stuff it's not the money that made that happen it was you mm, it's very true it's very true I, although i have to say that like i don't think the responsibility although it's the easy way to see it. I don't think the responsibility is entirely due to the, the person itself. Like it's the whole environment built oh, around money. So yeah. That is incredible. Like if you think about it, like uh, who invented, I, I'm sure there's not one person, but the whole system in which we live through money, governments, states, this whole system that we created is not real, if you think about it. No, it's, it's not. It's just names and someone decided that it is that. What is France? What is what is Germany? What is that? There's no borders. There's no. It's just a piece of land. That just is in our order. mind, just like to actually make us live in a certain order. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Like we I are mean, playing like, a game. We have currency. We yeah. have all the things that Monopoly. we need in order to be <laughs> yeah, able to play it's like the a real game. Like Monopoly, yeah, hundred percent. And like it's easier to live like that. I, I have to say, if there was chaos, there was no ruling. Exactly, it would be it would be bad at all. But in this way, like, there's a whole system that we don't feel. But is always there of like judgment of like things that are good to do that are bad to do, yeah. 
and, and that, that influences your choice whether you want it or not mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's, it's a whole big system to almost fight against uh, on your own and it's all driven by everything around us from like advertisements mm-hmm. to like hip-hop music to yeah. everything yeah. that is labeled to media internet. to news to the internet to absolutely yeah. everything and i think that we get introduced to this in the first seven years of our lives mm. during our childhood And mm. afterwards, even if you are aware of some things, it's, it's really hard to do very to hard it. to change. So hard, they're, they're so rooted inside you. Yeah. It's really hard. I, uh, I, I, I mean, I think it's appropriate to say, and I don't have any problem talking about it. Um, since a very young age, because I'm a guy, and I was I was exposed to pornography so early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this creates a very early dependency, and uh, and it activates certain parts of the brain that you see sex in a certain way, you see other people in a certain way, and it gives you big rewards. Um, and you don't realize that, oh, it's nothing. Like uh, many people with with cigarettes or alcohol or any, food. Any oh, type of nothing. addiction, yeah. Any, and, and you realize that after a while, it's taken away so much from you, so much, but it's so hard to reverse, really hard. Um, and right now, like uh, I've managed this, this whole quarantine thing, I've managed in the last six months to kind of detach myself from everything. So I haven't used any substances. I haven't seen any uh, pornographic material, no alcohol. More. So it's kind of like a reset because I want to be pure in a way. And Blissful. then decide. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. We, we started touching on this topic because I don't know, you might be aware because you are from Italy. I, I think mm. you saw already that the P-tube the big p-tube uh on the internet the biggest platform for pornography basically offered yeah, the whole yeah. country free premium membership premium yeah 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 it's it's uh i mean it's part genius part kind of uh catastrophic i from, think from and a marketing per- perspective it's, it's amazing it's, it's really absolutely very it's brilliant it's really, but like from really a from an impact perspective mm. i think it's like I don't want to say demonic, but like it's doing so much harm to those people. Even it's even very people that reckless, are not very reckless. Even people that are actually not using the actual site, just yeah. the thought that it's then, free, you're going to be willing to use it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's very dangerous, and that, I mean, like in a way, it it would be much better to not have that. And I understand people that are on their own. That even you got some basic human ape needs, of course. But um, I think there. Uh, The, the impact on a whole nation that you have by doing that is, is, is pretty big, you know? Yeah. Uh, who did, who made that decision to allow that? Like, uh, obviously, it doesn't have any consciousness, any awareness of what we're talking about. So, uh, yeah. I think it's very misunderstood. Like, I feel like it's very underestimated of how much of an impact it has, especially on teenagers. And I can talk mm. from experience. I don't need to talk about facts or anything. I can talk from experience. Almost all of us, I believe. And from, like, a very, yeah. very small age. I don't even think I mentioned this on the internet, but I don't care. Mm. From a very small age, I've been introduced to pornography. Mm. And I... I firstly saw it like a kind of way to discover myself mm. and my sexuality. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, obviously, it dived into like a very subconscious need mm-hmm. and an addiction. And mm. I think it was probably the worst thing that happened to myself during my childhood mm-hmm. and my teenage years. It's yeah. to all yeah, of yeah. us, but yeah. we don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does kind of, uh, kind of stimulate the brain in a way that is unhealthy, completely yeah, unhealthy. Absolutely. It kind of hacks the reward system every time. And the thing with porn is uh, not, it's not like drugs that there's a limit. You're like, oh shit, like that's enough of this drug is going to completely mess me up. Yeah. With porn, you can go on for hours, hours, exactly. hours, hours. Exactly. And so the, the damage you do to yourself psychologically more than physically is is incredible, really incredible. And like, again, like we, we get addicted on so many things, so many little things like, again, technology, pornography, food. Um, and I'm slowly getting away from one at a time. I'm facing them one at a time. Like that, check, that, check. And slowly I'm regaining possession of myself without any external kind of, oh, I need to fulfill that need. I need to, yeah. no, I don't need that anymore. It's, exactly. it's pretty, exactly. very zen. Yeah. yeah, you start getting used to the fact that you don't need it. Mm-hmm. You don't need it. You don't need it. You really don't. Uh, it's it's hard to retune yourself, but we got this. It's uh, We're on it together. <laughs> it's really actually easy to go into a bad habit because once you create a bad habit, the next one is going to follow, and then the next one, and then the next one. And mm-hmm. talking about this, what would you think that are, let's say three habits that actually people can adopt 
to influence their life in a positive way? Hmm. Okay, so uh, the first one that I do is to actually get up early. And uh, I know this is a very simple one, and uh, I myself haven't been doing it that much lately, but it's fine. Like, I'm not one of those people that needs to be excellent all the time. There are times where you can kind of rest a little. So you're aware but of that? But I'm aware of it, yeah. 100%. And uh, the, the, the level of of productivity and of free mind that you get from waking up at an early hour, even on your days off. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. Especially yeah. on your days off. Especially on your days off. It's it's pretty astounding. Um, and th- that leads on to a second <laughs> thing, and it's actually cultivate things that go beyond your sphere of interest. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky in a way because I was brought up with, with music. Uh, I know my music with media, with uh, kind of production of content, creating things. And I think uh, people need to feel that they're creating something. Yeah. If you're working in a in a in a bank or in a uh, in a kind of a food store, it, although it's incredibly useful and you might feel fulfillment from mm-hmm. it, you still need to feel create something exactly. uh, in your own little sphere, and that's really beautiful. Where it's learning kind of a, a new skill, it's, it's it's a classic. Everyone says to do it, but if you do it, the benefits are huge, mm-hmm. and you can use that time that you gain in the morning to learn that. And, and third thing is, I would say, from a psychological point of view, to actually, when you're getting, when you know you're getting carried away by a bad habit, whether it's eating or insulting someone or getting angry or getting jealous, there's always, well, not always, but most of the time, there's another person beside you that creates that, usually, if it's kind of in a work environment, there's one other thing. And I, I think for me is, if it's with another person, try and imagine being that person um mm. so if yeah. you're insulting someone like try and really visualizing because the mind is powerful like that visualize yourself being insulted in the same way as you are and how would you that. feel in that yeah position? how would you feel yeah i would really emphasize like a mm-hmm. empathize you know with the other person and if it's not if there's no one around you if it's it's it's, a, it's, it's yourself try and understand i think where it's coming from. It's not often, it's not superficial. If you get upset with your life, it's not just your life. It's something that goes back in your mm-hmm. childhood, in how you were raised. So for me, like doing a little session by writing down things of your past every day and kind of going through that uh, and analyzing it and seeing, oh, I'm doing this because of that. Yeah, it's you realize a pattern. That, yeah, it's all linked. It's yeah. all linked. It's all linked. So uh, really, the, these three things for me have... Uh, really changed me in the last year or so. I've I've only recently realized them, but they're pretty powerful. Imagine that you've lived your life. It was amazing. And you are on your deathbed right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing painful, but you know that the death is about to come. You're actually able near your bed to see the person that you could have become. So you look that person in the eyes Mm -hmm. and you fully comprehend what could have been possible. How would you feel in that particular moment about your life, about yourself, and about everything that you've experienced? Mm. Wow, that's where one hell of a visual image Just uh, time. To, to think about. Yeah, how would you guys get down to that? Um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty powerful. I think the goal, obviously, is to have very little difference between both who I am on the deathbed and who I see beside me. That that's that has to be the case. If it's not the case, uh, and if like uh, this huge wave of disappointment and sadness and kind of rushes onto me, um, there has to be the good old rule of of accepting mm-hmm. who you are. And, and and obviously at that point, there's not much you can do about it exactly. physically. That's true. But, but the last kind of symbol that you can leave on, on earth is you're not struggling against tension, but accepting it and, and, and departing in a peaceful way, I would say. Um, there's not, I don't see many other kind of uh, possibilities, um, apart from, again, like trying to really get to a point where you don't have to confront yourself. It's who you see is who you are and you're peaceful. Um, and one thing I would add on that is, is uh, obviously... You guys, I know, um, and me as well, we have, we always push ourselves, right? We always push ourselves to the max, try to be the best, wake up super early, smash it, which is great. But there is, I think, also a level of satisfaction from enjoying kind of uh, what you've achieved. 
and yeah. really savoring it, even if I, even at our own age, you know, like uh, because it's half and half. It can't always be pushing or always be enjoying. It's got to be half and half. So uh, yeah, accepting yourself and living who you really are. Okay, uh, all uh, I can okay. say is that I'm beyond grateful for Me having too. such a it good. Was such that a was pleasure. beautiful. That was, was beautiful, guys. Pleasure. Love that. Really love that. Didn't expect much, like as in like it's just a podcast. But man, like it really brightens your mood. You guys are amazing. Thank you and very you much. Well. One yeah. last thing before we wrap up, and our audience can uh, take a hold of you. Yeah. Uh, take your time once again and tell the audience what it is that you do. How can yeah. you help? Uh, potential people and where they can find yeah so uh, i create media i create content for uh any sort of business uh that needs content so everyone apart from in this period um you can find me on instagram uh vma haley with the h like the comment without an l or on uh, victoriahaley.com and uh yeah like like pasco i create content so uh if you need any of that or if you want to talk about anything creative as well just for a coffee as well just to meet just to exchange ideas happy to do that amazing Brilliant. thank you very much Vito. our pleasure thank you guys thank it was you lovely. so much thank for you so much. In, guys and as always stay grateful thank you very stay much. grateful cheers thank you guys